0: how many of you have one of these a cell phone may I see your hand please if you have a cell phone 13 years old and older and you do not have a cell phone anybody that does not have a cell phone one person two I want to meet you guys after church you are my hero you are my superstar that is awesome Two people, everybody else has a cell phone, is that right? You do not have a cell phone? Listen, shake my hand after church, would you? I want to meet you guys, because most of us are hooked to the plug-in drug. Have you noticed? It's hard to do without a cell phone for most of us, right? Have you been to a restaurant lately? You walk in, what are people doing? They're not talking, they're sitting there doing this. They're looking at their cell phones. Now, I talk on my cell phone, I don't look on my, I don't have a smartphone, okay? Okay. I don't want a smartphone. I don't want a phone that's smarter than me. But I like talking on my cell phone. Most of us are hooked to the plug-in drug. Do you realize that God has a phone number? Does anybody know God's phone number? you kidding me. You know your mama's phone number, your daddy's phone number, your husband's phone number, your wife. You don't know God's phone number. Does anybody know God's phone number? Joseph, do you? Well... <laughs> He doesn't know. It. I'm going to tell tell it to you. This is worth coming here tonight. It's three three three. Three three three. That's God's phone number. Do you know that? Write it down. Memorize it. Everybody needs to know God's phone number. Three three three. Jeremiah 33 and verse three. In Jeremiah 33 and verse three, God said, "Call to me and I will answer." Isn't that good? Call to me and I will answer. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about people of prayer. Call into God and God will answer. I'm glad you're here. I want you to open your Bibles, please, to James chapter 5. Everybody take a Bible and go with me, please, to the book of James. It comes in the last part of the New Testament. So you might want to find the book of Revelation, work backward to the book of James, James chapter 5. And as you turn there, let me say what a wonderful pleasure to be back at Winchester. Now, I'm usually here when it's cool in the winter, okay? Maybe cold in the winter, usually here in February. But uh, you've invited me to come back in July, and I'm delighted to be here. And thank you for this Wednesday night invitation. James chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13. We call it the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Sometimes I like to say that the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E... Basic inquiries before leaving earth because this book is filled with a number of wonderful questions. And we're going to look at some of those questions in James 5, starting in verse 13. Are you with me? Verse 13 of James chapter 5. This is some vital information that God's people ought to know. James 5, verse 13. James says, Is any among you afflicted? Are you having problems? Here's the answer. Let him pray. Is any happy? Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be Forgiven him. Confess your faults, your sins, one to another, and pray. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me illustrate. Verse 17 Elias, or Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And guess what? It rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Verse 19, Brethren, brothers and sisters, if any of you do err from the truth, and one converted. let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. And that's James chapter 5, verses 13 through twenty. If I were to ask you the question, my family and I share a prayer together, A, every day, B, sometimes, C, very seldom, or D, not at all. What would you say? I'm not talking about the prayers that you pray before you eat. I assume you do that, right? Do you head like this? Sure you do. I mean you pray at mealtime, right? Before breakfast and lunch and dinner. Uh, you're not heathen, you're church going people, you're you're God's people. So, so you pray before you eat. But I'm not talking about mealtime prayers. I'm talking about special prayers, devotional prayers, maybe, uh, maybe bedtime prayers. My family and I share a prayer together, A, every day, B, sometimes, C, very seldom, or D, not at all. What would you say? I think I know. I think I know. Because I've done that survey all across America. And 90% of the time when I ask that question, the number one answer is C, very seldom do we pray. The number two answer, D, we never pray as a family. The number one answer, we very seldom pray as a family. The number two answer, we never pray as a family. Families, let me start it and you finish it, okay? Families that pray together, that's true, right? I mean, that's not a little trite statement. It's not a preacher's statement, it's a true statement. Families that pray together stay together. And you know what's true with the physical family? It's true with the spiritual family, it's true in the church churches that pray together, stay together. So you talk about vital information that God's people ought to know. God's people ought to be people of prayer. And what I want to do for a few minutes in this class, what I want to do, I want to take you back to James chapter 5, and I want to share with you some very important information that James shares about the people of prayer. Some lessons that James teaches us about the power of prayer. You ready for number one? Here's lesson number one, brothers and sisters. You can pray about anything. Are you listening? I, I don't know. I don't know of anything you can't pray about. I have prayed about lawnmowers. I have prayed about septic tanks. I have prayed for washers and dryers. I have prayed for, for cars. I have prayed for elders and deacons and ministers and youth ministers. Some time ago, I lost my. Billfold, you ever lost your billfold? That's a terrible thing, right? To lose your billfold. Man, I didn't know where it was. Well, I went to bed praying about it, woke up the next day praying about it. Would it surprise you if I were to tell you the very same day, the day after losing my billfold, I found it? See, I don't know of anything we can't pray about. And that's one of the lessons that James teaches us about the power of prayer. Now I want to take you back to the text. And I want to share with you some blessings that James teaches us for which we should pray. In the first place, we ought to pray. If we are suffering, if we're suffering, we ought to pray. Go back to verse 13. James 5 and verse 13. James says, is any among you... What what does your Bible say? Is any what? Afflicted? My Bible says afflicted. Other translations, is any... Does anybody have the word suffering? Is any suffering? Is anybody in trouble? Wow. Wow. Are you in trouble? Here's the answer. You ought to pray. Let me tell you what I wish. I wish that I could stand up here and promise you the moon. I wish that I could get up here and say, if you'll just be faithful to Jesus, you're never going to have any problems. You're not going to have any financial problems, marital problems, relationship problems, sin problems. If you'll just give your life to Christ, you're never going to have any problems. The opposite is true. Christians have problems. Would you agree with that? If you don't have any problems, would you stand up? Excuse me. I'll join you. See, all of us have problems. Even preachers have problems, right? All of us have problems. And James says, now if you're afflicted, if you're suffering, if you're having problems, here's the answer. You need to pray. In the second place, still on lesson number one, we can pray about anything. Uh, James says we ought to pray when we're sick. We ought to pray for sick people. A few minutes ago, Joseph mentioned uh, some sick folks of the church. Look to, look to verse 14. James 5 verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the preachers of the church. Is that what your Bible says? It's not in there, is it? Elders. Let him call for the pastors, the elders of the church. Let me speak to you from a preacher standpoint, okay? I have prayed for lots and lots of sick people. You know, I go, go to hospitals... I go to nursing homes. I go to homes. In fact, this past Sunday, I went to somebody's home and I prayed for a lady who has cancer. See, I have prayed as a minister. I have prayed for lots and lots of sick people. But let me just speak to you from a personal standpoint. If I'm sick and I'm in the hospital, I want the preachers to stay at home. And I want the most godly people of our church to come and to pray for me. See, I want our elders to come. How many elders do we have in this Bible class? If you're an elder of the church of Christ, or if you've ever been an elder, may I see your hand, please? Look around, folks. These are the guys you ought to call for. Call for the elders of the church. You call for these guys. If you're sick, you call for these guys. And let them come and pray over you. And James says, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And my, 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 that gives us theological problems, right? Right? that causes us theological headaches. You ever heard that discussion? Should the elders bring the oil? Should the elders anoint people with oil? Well, I do know that sometimes oil was used in the first century to signify the presence of God. Sometimes oil was used for medical reasons. But it's, it's amazing to me when we uh, come to James chapter 5, we kind, of, uh, we kind of forget about prayer. We kind of push prayer in the background, and we want to talk about the oil. Should the elders anoint people with oil? Well, I have my opinion about that. You have your opinion about that. But let me just say this. The best answer to the question, if you're not an elder, don't worry about it. (laughs) You let the elders worry about that, okay? You just call for the elders. Let them come do their thing, whatever it is. And the text says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So, first of all, if, if you're suffering, if somebody's suffering, you need to come and, and to do some prayer. And if somebody's sick, physically sick, uh, don't close your eyes. Don't, uh, don't feel like you're in a mess. Just do what God wants you to do. If you're sick, you need to pray. There's something else. He goes on to say in James chapter 5 if you're in sin, if you're in sin, you need to pray. Look to verse 16. Verse 16. James 5. He says, Confess your faults, your sins, one to another, and pray one for another. Confess to one another and pray one for another that you may be healed. I'm a drunkard. I'm a liar. I curse Boy, sometimes I take things that don't belong to me. I'm a thief. I'm envious. I'm jealous. I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to alcohol. See, James says we ought to be very open and honest, Right? We ought to be very open and honest with each other. Don't try to hide your sins. He says, confess your sins one to another and pray one for another. So first of all, we ought to pray if we're suffering. We ought to pray when there is sickness and we ought to pray when there is sin. Confess your faults, your sins one to another. Be open and honest and transparent and pray one for another. But I see something else here. In the next place, he says, we ought to pray for... Physical blessings like showers or rain. Look down at verse 17. He says, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Elijah, or Elias, was a man subject to light passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Guess what? It rained not on the earth by the space of three years, and can you imagine going three and a half years without rain? Look at all the green grass this summer. We've had some rain this summer, at least where I live. You probably have had some rain right here in your town, right? Rice is green. Maybe you need rain. You pray for that rain. But, but notice something else. Verse 18, he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So first of all, he prayed that it would not rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So I don't know what you need from a physical standpoint. Uh, maybe you need a job. Maybe you need a, a place to stay. Uh, maybe you need food. Maybe you need. Maybe you're a farmer and you do need rain. Maybe you need more sunshine. See, I don't know what you need from a physical standpoint, but whatever you need from a physical standpoint, James says, we ought to be praying about that. We ought to be praying for showers, for the rain. Give us, kind of like what Jesus taught us to pray in that great model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Maybe you need food. I don't know what you need physically, but whatever you need physically, you need to be praying about that. We announced a few minutes ago that an upcoming activity, you, you, you guys need some, what, salad? Mashed potatoes. What else, Joseph? Fruit. Fruit and salad. And Maybe you need fruit and salad and mashed potatoes. Maybe you ought to pray about that. See that big event's coming up? You need to bring that food. Uh, you know, you need to pray for physical blessings, but there's something else. In the next place, James says, we ought to pray for sinners. For sinners. Go down to verse 19. Verse 19. He said, Brethren, brothers and sisters, if any of you do err from the truth, everybody look up here. This is the truth. Would you agree with that? This is truth. Jesus said in John 8, 32, uh, the truth will set us free. John 17, 17, God's Word is truth. The idea is, here's the truth of God, and and somebody wanders. I'm a sinner, and I wander away from the truth. The truth is over there, and I'm over here. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, And one convert him. Somebody converts me, brings me back. One convert him. Let him know that he which converts the sinner from the air of his way. The sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That's in the context of prayer. And so by implication, James is saying, we ought to be praying for the backslidden. We ought to be praying for those who have fallen. We ought to be praying for sinners. For what should we pray? Well, James says we ought to pray when we're suffering. We ought to pray for the sick. We ought to pray for sin. We ought to pray for showers, physical blessings. And we ought to pray for the backslidden, for the fallen, for those who leave the truth. And you know something? In the great book of Acts, in churches of Christ, we love the book of Acts. Amen. Don't you love the book of Acts? We love the book of Acts in churches of Christ. In the great book of Acts, you can find every one of these represented. First of all, they prayed when they were suffering. I think about Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, you remember the story? Their backs had been beaten. Their clothes had been stripped. Blood is dripping off of them. Their feet are in stocks. And the Bible says in Acts 16, verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas, what? At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They did what? That's what we're talking about tonight. This is vital information that the church needs to know. Paul and Silas prayed, and they sang praises unto God. They were suffering. Physically, they were suffering, and they prayed. They also prayed in the first century for, for the sick folks. I think about Acts chapter 28. The apostle Paul's on the island of Malta, and he meets a fellow by the name of Publius, and the daddy, the father of Publius, is sick. And so Paul goes in, and he does this. He puts his hand on this guy, the father of Publius, and he prays. And the Bible says he's healed. So they prayed not only for the suffering, they also prayed for the sick. In the next place, they prayed for sin, sin in their lives, sin in the lives of others. Do you remember Acts 7, Stephen? They're throwing rocks at Stephen. And what does he pray? What does Stephen, the servant of the Lord, pray? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He really prays for their Forgiveness. They also prayed for physical blessings like showers, like rain. Acts 27, Paul's on that ship. He's going to Rome to appear before Caesar. And the Bible says in Acts 27 and verse 35 that he takes bread and in the presence of everybody, he gives thanks to God. So they prayed for their food. They prayed for their physical blessings. They also prayed for sinners, for the backslidden, for the fallen. For those who left the truth. I think about Acts chapter 8. You remember the story? Stephen is baptized into Christ. Not Stephen, but Simon is baptized into Christ. Uh, He hears the gospel. He believes the gospel. He's baptized. And then old Simon tries to buy the powers of God. And and Peter says, Simon, you can't buy the powers of God. Your heart's not right in the sight of God. Uh, Simon, you need to repent and pray. And what does Simon say? Simon said, uh, Peter, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And I assumed that Peter did. So they prayed for sinners, for the fallen, for those whose hearts were not right. I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you, I don't know of anything you can't pray about. I don't know what's going on in your life. Uh, maybe you're concerned about your kids, your grandchildren. Uh, maybe you're concerned about your finances, your health. Maybe you're concerned about the church, a next-door neighbor. Maybe you're concerned about something that's going on at work. Paul put it like this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He said, be careful for nothing. I don't understand that. What does that mean? Be careful for nothing. One Bible puts it like this. Don't be anxious. What does that mean? When somebody says, don't be anxious, what's he saying? Don't what? Worry. Yeah, don't worry. You ever worry? Well, sometimes I worry. Sometimes I worry about you talking out in my Bible class, Pete. Pete. What about the rest of you? What do you worry about? What concerns you? What do you worry about? See, Paul says, the Bible says, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, He didn't say in the big things. He didn't say in the spiritual stuff. He didn't say in church matters. He said in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know what he's saying? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Maybe you're concerned about your job. Maybe you're concerned about health. See, I don't know what you're concerned about. But Paul said, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So, one of the lessons, one of the lessons that James teaches me about the power of prayer, we can pray about anything. That's lesson number one. And I'm to stop in 15 minutes and I have three more lessons. So, I've got to put the pedal to the metal, right? You ready for number two? James teaches me how I should pray. Number one, he teaches me I can pray about anything. Here's lesson number two. He teaches me how I should pray. You ever thought about that as a Christian? How should you pray as a church? How should you pray? Well, let's go back to verse 14. James 5, 14. Is any among you sick? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. And then James says in verse 15, and the prayer of faith. Shall save the sick. How should we pray? First of all, we ought to pray in faith, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So when you pray, you ought to pray in faith. Now let me be very, very honest with you, okay. As a minister, as a Christian, I have prayed for lots and lots of sick people to get better, and they've gotten worse. You ever been there? I have prayed for lots and lots of sick people to live and they, they've died. You ever prayed for a sick person to get better and he, he got worse? You ever prayed for a sick person to live and he died? What does that do to your faith? Well, when James says we ought to pray in faith, he's simply saying we ought to pray believing that God is able. He's able, He's capable. Now, God's ways are not our ways, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and sometimes God may not give us what we ask for. But when we pray, we ought to pray in faith, believing that He's able. It's kind of the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember the story in the book of Daniel? They stood before the king, and they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow down to that golden image that you've set up, because our God is able to deliver us. But even if He doesn't, Even if God's ways are not our ways, even if God's thoughts are not our thoughts, we're still not going to bow down to that golden image that you've set up. So they they, they believed that God was able, He was capable. And when we pray to God, we, we, we pray with the attitude of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, here's what Jeremiah prayed. Jeremiah prayed, nothing is too hard for you. That's what Jeremiah prayed. And so when we go to God, we go to God believing that God is able. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. We pray in faith. Keep in mind that God may not always give you what you ask for. But we pray believing that He is able. So number one, we need to pray in faith. There's another way that we ought to pray. When we pray to God, according to James chapter 5, verse 14, or verse 16, we ought to pray fervently, fervently. Go down to the last part of verse 16. He says, The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And then my mother's Bible, the old King James says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me illustrate. Verse 17. What about Elijah? How did Elijah pray? By the way, I have a grandson by the name of Elias. Elias. That's what the King James says, right? Who's Elias? Well, that's Elijah, right? Elijah was just like us. How did Elijah pray? Check out verse 17. How did he pray? What does your Bible say? Earnestly, sincerely. The Greek New Testament implies he prayed with prayer. It's intensified. He didn't just say a little prayer. Sometimes we say to our kids, hey, Kiddos, Johnny, Susie, don't forget to say your prayers. You ever said that to your kids, your grandbabies? Don't forget to say your prayers. And see, we ought to quit saying prayers and start praying. I know what we mean, but we ought to quit saying a little prayer and really start praying a prayer. We ought to pray fervently. Some time ago, I was coaching a little girl's basketball team. I have two daughters, and they grew up playing basketball. And that was one of the things that a father... You know, his daughters, we did together. and I coached them, coached some other girls. But this was a very important basketball game. And, uh, right, you know, it it was back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, it it was very exciting. And and, and a girl from the other team was dribbling the ball down the court. And she stepped out of bounds. She stepped on the line. Two or three times she stepped on the line. And the ref did not see it. And I was sitting there on the sideline and I wanted the ref to know that the girl from the other team had stepped out of bounds. How do you think I told the ref? Huh? You think I just sat there and said, uh, <clears throat> She stepped on the line. Any problem with that? You think I had a little conversation with the ref? I, I tell you how I told the ref, folks, that she had stepped out of the bounds when he didn't see it. I told him this, this way. I told him fervently. I mean, two or three times, the little girl from the other team was... I mean, it was a very exciting game, and and, and it was a very important game. And she was dribbling down the court, and two or three times, I mean, her foot stepped on the line out of bounds, and the ref didn't call it. So I jumped up, and I said, in a quiet, sweet little voice, Out of bounds, out of bounds! And the ref came over and said, "Uh, Coach, uh, you need to sit down. He told me to sit down. So I sat down. But I'll be honest with you folks, I was sitting down on the outside, but I was standing up on the inside. I mean, we get excited about our ball teams, don't we? We get excited about ball games. Have you ever been excited about prayer? Have you ever prayed so fervently, so earnestly, you sweat bloody sweat? See, again, when we pray, the prayer ought to come not from the roofs of our mouths, But our prayers ought to come from the roots of our hearts. Pray earnestly, sincerely. Pour out your soul to the Lord. And that's one of the things that James teaches me about the power of prayer. First of all, he teaches me, I can pray about anything. And then number two, he teaches me how I should pray. How should I pray? In faith, believing that God is able. And then ought to pray fervently, earnestly. Ought to pray with prayer. It's intensified. You ready for lesson number three? Pete's not ready for lesson number three. What about the rest of you? You ready for lesson number three? James teaches me that God answers. That's one of the lessons that James teaches. See, this is, you talk about vital information that the church ought to know. I mean, this is heaven, hell stuff. This is is where the rubber meets the road. This is very, very important. James teaches me that God, folks, I believe that God answers every prayer that we pray. I really do. Every prayer that we pray, not just some of them. I believe that He answers all of them, all of the prayers that His people pray. Uh, Again, look to verse sixteen, the last part of verse sixteen. My mother's Bible: "The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much." What does that mean? When God's people pray, great things happen. Great things happen when God's people pray. I believe that God answers every prayer that we pray. Sometimes He answers, yes, son, yes, daughter, yes. He did with Elijah. Again, Elijah was just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Can you imagine going three and a half years without rain? (laughs) Three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and guess what? God said, okay, I'm going to give you some rain. So uh, sometimes God says, yes, my daughter, it's yours for the asking. My son, it's yours for the asking. Sometimes he says, "Yes, sometimes he says, uh, "Wait. Uh, wait a while. Wait to next week. Wait to next month. Wait to next year. Wait a lifetime. I think about uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. You remember that story, Luke chapter One. They were young, they were in love, they got married. More than anything in the world, they wanted a little baby. Maybe we have some women at this audience. Maybe you want a child. Maybe you want a grandbaby. And so they pray and they pray and they pray. But then they wait and they wait and they wait. Now they're too old to have a baby. They're just too old to have a baby. But all of a sudden God comes and says, Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Prayer? What prayer? You're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to be a preacher like you've always wanted. Are you teasing God? No, I'm not teasing. I mean it. When do you think that Zachariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the baptizer, when do you think they started praying for a baby? Do you think they were old people when they started praying for a baby? No doubt they were young. They were able to have kids. And they pray and they pray and they pray. But then they have to wait. And they wait and they wait. And now they're too old. But God said your prayer has been heard. See, I'm just saying to you that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. That's worth writing down. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Sometimes He says, yes, my son, yes, my daughter. Sometimes He says, wait, the time's not right. And then there are times that God says, no. No, my child. I love you too much to give you what you ask for. I think about Paul. The Apostle Paul. Thorn in the flesh, right? What was Paul's thorn in the flesh, by the way? I don't know what it was. I have my opinion. I think it was his eyesight. His eyesight. In fact, in Galatians 6 and verse 11, Paul said, You see how large a letter I've written to you with my own hand? Galatians is really not long compared to some of the other letters that Paul wrote. But Paul probably took that pen and wrote in large letters because his eyesight was Probably challenging to him. In fact, he told the Galatians, if possible you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. So I don't know what it was. I think it was his eyesight. But three times Paul Paul prayed about this, and three times God says, My grace is sufficient. No, Paul, I'm not going to say yes to that prayer. So sometimes God says, Yes, it's yours for the asking. Sometimes he says, Ah, wait, you need to wait. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And then there are times that God says, uh No. My child, no. I love you too much to give you what you ask for. Parents, you ever say no to your kids? Sure we say no to our kids, right? Why do we say no? We love them, right? We want what's best for them. And sometimes, out of love and out of grace and goodness, God says, my child, no. No, no, no. But I believe that God answers every prayer that we pray. Now, I've given you three lessons that James teaches me about the power of prayer, about the people of prayer. What are they? Number one, we can pray about, talk to me. We can pray about everything, anything. Number two, uh, James teaches us how we should pray. How should we pray? In faith and fervently. And then James teaches us that God answers every prayer that we pray. Maybe one more lesson, then I'll be through. Number four, number four. Pete just speaks for all of us. He says, that's cool when i be through, right? You ready for lesson number four? Vital information that the church needs to know. Here it is. James teaches me, I need people praying for me. That's lesson number four. I need people praying for me. Go back to verse 16. Confess your sins one to another. And pray one for another that ye may be healed. James says, confess to one another and pray one for another. I need to be praying for you. You need to be praying for me. We pray for one another. See, I need people praying for me. I think that most of us know 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pete, do you know that verse? Are you sure? You want to say it for me? I'll start and you finish, okay? First Thessalonians five seventeen. What does it say? Pray without Pray without ceasing, right? You know that verse? Three three simple little words. Pray without ceasing. That's first Thessalonians five seventeen. Does anybody know first Thessalonians five twenty five? Same chapter. Started off, brethren. That's the first word, brethren. 1 <laughs> Thessalonians 5, 25 has four words. Verse 17 has three words. Pray without ceasing. We know that verse, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, a few verses later, verse 25 has four words. Here they are. Brethren, pray for us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray constantly, pray always. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 25, four words. Brethren, Pray for us. Question. Class. Who said brethren, pray for us? Who? Did y'all hear what Pete said? Say it again, Pete. Paul. Paul? Did you say Paul? The Apostle Paul? Huh? Wait a minute. The Apostle Paul said brethren, pray for us? I read that and I think, wow. Are you kidding, Paul? Paul, you need somebody praying for you. If Paul, the superstar, needed people praying for him, what about me? What about you? Is there anybody in this class that needs people praying for him? Say, I need people praying for me. Now, I'm a struggling sinner. I'm trying to preach God's Word. I'm trying to be the mouthpiece of heaven. I need people praying for me. The greatest gift you can give somebody is the gift of prayer. You want a better preacher? Just pray for the one that you have. You want better elders? Just pray for those that you have. You want a better Sunday school teacher? Pray for the Sunday school teacher you have. See, I need people. We all need people praying for us. It's 15 till. Joseph told me to stop. So uh, i tell you what let's do. It's one thing to talk about prayer. It's another thing to pray. But this is so vital. God's phone number, 333, Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. God said, call to me and I will answer.